In this episode of What's Your Ecom Stack, I'm talking to Bunny from Bloom, and I'm really excited to have you on the show today because I've been a big fan of Bloom for a while now and seeing all the different things that you, um, you and your team are putting together and putting out in the world and just the uh, really positive vibes that you guys just exhume. So thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Tim. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be chatting with you today. Thanks. Um, I guess to kind of jump right in, um, maybe to share um, a bit about yourself, your role at Bloom, and then a bit of that backstory behind Bloom and the the brand story and how things were started and, and how they got to where they are today. Yeah. So uh, I'm Bunny, as you mentioned, one of the co-founders of Bloom. Um, my title is COO. So Taryn and I, who is actually my sister, started the company together um, almost three years ago, really from a personal need Um kind of a long-winded backstory, but um, to make it short, we were running a similar business prior with third-party products, and it was like a surprise and delight delivery service each month, time to a woman's period. And so throughout that, we really learned um, so much about our customer and also the kind of women's health and period care space. And found this white space that was really around safe and effective personal care, body care, and period care that um, is really trustworthy and effective and can be used um, as girls as they grow up throughout their puberty and then also into adulthood. And so that's really where we launched from. Um, at launch, we did a survey and 60% of our audience let us know that they, um, or 60% of the audience that we surveyed um, let us know that they felt their self-esteem plummet as they went through puberty. And so that's really kind of our um, North Star and our stat that we're working hard to change through effective products and also education. So today, um, we are mostly D2C e-commerce uh, with some retail and really focusing on clean um, skincare, self-care, and period care products. It's cool that you have that self-esteem as like the North Star. Um, I find that with, with so many businesses, they're like, we just care about the, the money and that's like the all that they're driving towards. But having that like that value as a business, even from like the get-go is really cool that like all the different, whether it's the products that you're putting out there in the world or the content that you're creating that like being able to ask yourself, like, is this contributing to that North Star, I think is really cool. Yeah, thank you. I think it's Bloom is very deeply rooted in our why. Um, and so we mm -hmm. try to always use that as a filter, um, especially I think, you know, in the beauty space, we're often told that we need to buy more products and that these products are going to change our lives and make us better. And so yeah. while our products are super effective, it's more about, you know, how do they make you feel versus what do they make you look like? Cool. That's so cool. Um, so kind of transitioning from like that story and being D2C into the actual web experience and purchasing experience itself. Um, are you guys right now you're, you're only online, right? You don't really have like a, a brick and mortar or have you guys branched out at all into that? We're in some retailers. Um, so we are in Sephora, Indigo, Urban Outfitters, um, but primarily online. Right. No big deal. Just Sephora, Indigo and Urban Outfitters. <laughs> Um, that's cool. So with, with kind of both sides of that, with the kind of wholesale and then the, the D2C, um, e-commerce side as well, um, to kind of get into the actual apps and stuff, what would be the top three apps that you have? Um, and, and maybe a little bit of backstory basically into the, the platform that you guys are on as well, if you want. Mm -hmm. So we're on Shopify, um, have been on Shopify from day one. Love it. Would, cool. would never leave. <laughs> um, big, big fans. Um, I think some of like the apps that we've been using um, from the beginning or that like are my favorite is um, Recharge. I think it's a great option for subscription. And I think having subscription yeah. as an option is, is super key. Um, gorgeous for customer service is, um, I think, 
I don't think I would ever leave Gorgeous. Um, I feel like it's definitely yeah. the best option for customer service and my team loves it and it just makes the whole experience so awesome. Um, and then I think in terms of like our tech stack, we're probably pretty basic. If you go on like D2C Twitter, we're probably using all the apps that everybody else is using. So right. yeah, reviews, um, Smile, of course, for loyalty. Um, we use Talkable for referrals. And we nice. use uh, PostScript for SMS. Nice. Pretty, like a, a good breadth of different technologies um, to kind of like cover all your bases there. You mentioned um, recharge for subscriptions right at the beginning. And do you find that, because um, obviously you guys have the subscription model, but you also have like the one-off um, purchases as well. Um, do you find that your more of your customers are interested in those subscription or are people coming to you mostly to for the, the individual purchases? Mm-hmm. Mainly individual purchases, I think just the nature of our business, but we do have, um, you know, certain products that are highly subscribed to in comparison to others. Um, and then we also do have like a pretty clear funnel of, you know, when we think a customer will be willing to su- uh, subscribe after their initial purchase. Um, and so it tends to be consistent and like a healthy kind of reoccurring revenue amount. Cool. That's good. One, well, I, I think like because of the monthly nature of your product, I think like subscription lends itself so well to that. But then like you do have those products like the the first time period package that like you're probably not going to keep buying that mm-hmm. first time package. So like there's there's certainly reason for to have those individual ones. That one I think is really cool. Like I, I have two young girls and just knowing that like something like that exists for when the time is ready, I think is really cool. Like I don't think anything like that existed 10, five years ago even. So I think even like, there's been development, even though like the technology, like nothing's really changed in the technology, but like the development as far as like the self-care, the self-esteem part of it, I think is so huge that like it is new products, even though the the individual things themselves might not be new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, so you have all those different apps that you um, have set up with your Shopify store. Um, what... What would you say is the the best integration that you guys work with? Obviously, all those individual technologies are really great on their own, but really the magic kind of happens and building a really great customer-centric e-commerce experience when those integrations are made between the different technologies. What would you say is the, the your favorite integration that you have set up between um, any two of those pieces of software? Mm, good question. So in the way those two like speak to each other or in the way that feeds into the customer experience? Um, I was thinking more so how they connect to each other, like whether you're connecting um, like rewards with your uh, review software or recharge with some of your um, reviews or like those kind of connections. Got it. Um, I think referral and SMS is a really big one. Um, I think just knowing, you know, what a customer's experience is with the company and then sending them SMS to refer. And I think often like we get so many emails and, and I think at least like in my experience, I want to tell my friends about a product that I love and that I know that they'll love. And like, I want to get the credit for it, but also I'm generally too lazy to like go through the effort of finding my referral links. I'll be like, Oh, you just like got to go buy this. It's awesome. And like, sometimes I don't even like, if I do love something, I don't even check the website. If I have a referral link and if there would be a discount for me or my friend, I'll just, you know, we'll just talk about it. And so I think um, having that like via SMS is so key because it's adding so much value to the customer on all ends um, without being like annoying. So we would never ping them like weekly, like don't forget to refer us, but just knowing like, Oh, I have this like referral, you know, 
in my phone that I can just easily send to a friend. And I think because we don't um, overly like text our customers, we're really, really um, conservative with that channel. Having like referral as an option there is super key. And we tend to see really high results just because it's like an easy thing to be like, oh, hey, I was telling you about this product. I just got my referral link if you want to test it out. And it's just simpler than using email. That's cool. And yeah, like SMS has is such a fine line between being like available and there and top of mind and just being super annoying. Like I signed up for, I think it was like Old Navy or Uniqlo or something like that. And like, they just won't leave me alone now. And I'm sure I've asked them to stop texting me, but it's like every day there's a new sale and I'm like, please just stop. <laughs> so yeah, it is cool to be able to connect those, those technologies together and, you know, even be able to use like um, some flows, like if someone's left a positive review, be able to trigger that SMS with that referral request and having those pieces all work together just to make it really seamless. And like the timing is right. So, you know, you're not asking them for a referral before they've even received the product or anything like that. You know who your brand advocates are um, and who's like really bought into your community before you even are like paying them to make that referral. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So as far as the tech goes, you guys have a lot of different ones. Like you said, on the DTC Twitter, you guys use a lot of the different uh, pieces of software that are recommended. Are there any new ones or are you guys, when you're, when you're hunting for, for new pieces of, of software in like the Shopify app store, or anything like that, is there anything new that you've seen that you're excited about? Um, I think the upsells right now are really exciting to us. Um, I don't know if we found the perfect app yet, um, or if we're going to do yeah. something a little bit custom or figure it out on our own. Um, I feel like every day I like have an idea to be like, oh, it would be so great if there's an app to do this and then I'll find something and it'll just be like 50% sufficient. Um, but the upsells yeah. are really exciting to us right now and something that we're trying to find a better workaround for. Um, we've done it in multiple ways in the past and we're kind of running it in a few ways right now, but really looking for that like seamless, testable mm-hmm. um, experience is super key and top of mind for us um, and something that we're really excited about. I think also like the post-purchase experience for customers, um, you know, we manage a lot of that manually right now, but even just understanding more about like where the customer found out about us from and what their proper attribution is, I think is so key. Um, and so we use, we do use an app for that as well, but um, trying to figure out how to better refine it so that we can get more customer information. And it's always a balance of like, you know, there's so many things that a customer needs to know per post-purchase. And then there's so many things that we want to know about the customer post-purchase. So balancing, like, you know, taking up all of their time after they've made a purchase before their item even arrives and still yeah. being able to give them the information that we think they need and then vice versa. So that's also something that um, we're excited about right now and working on is just how can we understand more about the customer once they purchased from us? And then how can we um, tell the customer everything that they need to know without annoying them? Yeah. And figuring out that channel and like that medium is really important because like you could just say, we'll just throw it all into an email as text, but like that's going to be like the worst experience. Um, so that's that's an interesting problem to solve. So are you guys, uh, are, are you and your team just kind of going to be like A-B testing to see what people are, are finding useful? Or are you actually talking to customers to say like, how do you actually want to receive this information? We do a little bit of both. Um, but I think for the most part, just because obviously scalability wise, we're just kind of testing different things and being like, okay, you know, only 10% of people responded to this. So we're probably not going to continue on versus some of the things right. that we have like a 50 or 60% response rate. Right. 
Okay, that makes sense. And to the first thing that you were talking about with the upsell, I was just talking to someone recently who was saying that that's also something they're looking for. And like the key for them, just like you guys, is finding that integration with Recharge because it's easy to find an upsell app, but it's hard to find something that like is baked and it has an integration with Recharge. So it all actually works together. Yeah, totally. Segwaying off of that then, um, similarly is I've I've been calling it uh, app hackery um, for the duration of the podcast, but are there any apps that you use that might be free or low cost that your team is kind of using in a way that doesn't break the rules, but like isn't really using it for the, the intended purpose or anything like that? Um, I mean, we often like, we try to use Zapier when possible. So even like if instead of using, for example, like a back in stock, out of stock notification type app, we'll just have um, like a form on our website that's like, this is out of stock. And then that'll go into a Google sheet and then that'll zap to our email provider. So that's okay. that we do it um, to save costs. Um, I think like another thing that's really key is always like just starting at the most minimum. Um, even if like, even if it says like, oh, if you have 5,000 orders, you know, we'll try to start at 100 orders just to be like, okay, is there something here that's actually going to work before we commit to like $100 a month? Um, yeah. And then also looking at the options of like, you know, what is this app actually costing us once everything's baked in? And is this something that we could build out on our own that's like more effective and more efficient um, and just have it be part of the website versus part of an app? Because I think it's easy to like, it's almost like shopping. It's like, you're like, oh, this is only $20. This is only like $10 a month and then you get like your Shopify bill at the end of every month. They're like, I oh, should have just spent like an extra 500 bucks on like all these apps that right. I didn't even realize. Um, so those are kind of some of the ways that we try to save costs. Um, there is, I think a lot of really low cost or really cheap apps out there. Um, and sometimes it's just a matter of trying multiple and then like removing the ones that don't work. So that's kind of the way that we do it. Um, yeah, nothing, nothing super revolutionary there. I would say I would, I would like more hacks on that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think like you said, with using the zaps, I think is like the most low tech way to get something done that like just works. Like you, you can kind of rely on this app to work. Um, and you know you've already got your Google account, so like doing doing things like that, I think is like one of the best examples of like the app hackery, where it's it's not even like you're using an app in a special way, but like you're you're just finding workarounds so you don't have to purchase that app in the first place or even go looking for it um, until you know if you have like a manual process where it just becomes overwhelming, and then you're like, okay, we have to offload this to some piece of software. Mm -hmm. Totally. Um, that's cool, though. Apart from trying to find the upsell and um, tweak that after purchase experience, are there any challenges that you guys are working on right now, um, whether like related to the website or your app stack, um, or uh, uh, even apart from your Shopify um, stack at all? Um, I mean, I think the things that always continue to be a challenge is like, what is our truth, true source of data and how does that data integrate with the different apps um, and the different channels that we use? And so like, I think, you know, bringing Shopify and Recharge up sometimes is really great apps that are really great, you know, data sources that are 100% accurate mm -hmm. for Shopify, but a little bit off for Recharge and then understanding um, the Recharge analytics and, and like the churn analytics and having that flow into right. like a truth of source. So we use Glue and like Google Analytics for data right now, but okay. it's, I, I will say that it's like not a hundred percent solution on like the accuracy that like we would like to have at this stage, generally around like attribution. Um, and even like the way conversion rate is 
it's calculated. Like I think a simple one is like if a customer is on a subscription and they recharge, it creates an order, but that's not necessarily a conversion because they didn't like come to your website right. and purchase. And so then we'll right, have like yeah. one app telling us that we have like a 6% conversion rate and we're like, no, we don't. Um, so yeah. I think data is always, always a tough one. Um, mm-hmm. I think not related to marketing, but um, like inventory forecasting and demand planning is a really, really tough one. And I haven't found um, a digital solution that works well for that. So we're doing it manually and a lot of folks yeah. have talked to do it manually too. So I think that um, there's opportunity in both of those things um, to get more and more accurate and, and have a better solution. Definitely. Yeah. The, the inventory management and planning is an interesting one because it, that seems like something that like a, you would think a bunch of people will be working on because anyone that has physical materials that they sell is going to need some sort of, inventory management and planning. Um, so when you say you guys are doing that manually, are you talking about like a, a Google Sheets and and doing all the forecasting just with the Excel macros? <laughs> yeah, 100%. Like we have our template, we put in, you know, what we sold, we put in what we think we're going to sell, and then we like calculate it accordingly and then like give ourselves calendar invites to make sure we don't miss placing the orders. <laughs> so it, I mean, it works, um, but yeah. just, like you said, I, I'm shocked that, for how many businesses there are that need this, there isn't even mm-hmm. like a good solution. I've heard from people that they use like some of the best ERPs and they don't even use the demand planning on that ERP because it just isn't sufficient. Which means that they're paying for the demand planning and it just isn't good enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Um, so kind of the, one of the things that I, I love about Bloom is the Bloomtopia and the community that you've built around that. Um, and can you share maybe just a little bit about kind of the thought process behind not just the loyalty side of it, but kind of like the, the brand community and, and building a community and um, how that's kind of played into the web experience and even some of the other um, engagement that you've had with customers and social channels and that sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Yep. So Bloomtopia was such a fun project for us to create. And when, when we were thinking about what a loyalty program would look like for Bloom, we knew that we wanted it to go beyond just like you spent money, now you have points, now spend more money and like get more points. We really just yeah. to, to be more of an experience and more of um, like a, like a fictional place that you reach that then gives you this community. Um, and right. so the way we decided to position it is almost like a location. Like, you know, you, you get to go to Bloomtopia and these are like the fun things that come along with it. And so we always try to keep our points, uh, our, our prizes to be kind of more fun and exciting as well versus just like, you know, here's a sample size of something or like $5 off, we try to get creative and even do some limited edition things in that. But beyond that, I think some of the perks that come along with being in Bloomtopia is the additional things that you get um, as being part of that Bloom community. So we have like a private group um, where our Bloom community members are part of. Um, when we do new product testing and sampling, they're the first ones to get involved if we do any type of call outs to our community around um you know, an exciting project that we have coming up or something that we, we, we can't yet announce publicly, but we need people to know about it privately. Um, so it really is this core group of folks. And a lot of them have become um, friends themselves and followed each other on Instagram and are staying in touch. And often, you know, folks will comment in the group about things, you know, related to Bloom, not related to Bloom, related to other skincare um, products. And it's just so interesting to see how um, we're able to facilitate that community where it, you know, it's beneficial for us as the company, but more than that, it's so beneficial for the folks who are part of it. And and many of them have this common kind of value and ethos around wanting to use clean and effective skincare that makes them feel good. That's so cool. Is that built in? Uh, is that 
the the group parties that like a Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so cool. Like I, I really, I do think that a sign of like a strong community, whether it's a brain community or some other sort of community is, is the relationships that are built between the members themselves, mm-hmm. that they're not just, you know, joining it and just, just engaging with Bloom and the content that you guys put out, but having them like connect with each other and, and have those common goals and, and visions and things. Um, really? That's, that's the sign to me of a strong community. So it's, it's so cool that you guys have been able to, to build that and like be the facilitators of a community like that. Um, and I, I will say too that the Bloomtopia webpage is like one of my favorite pages to open and just scroll through and those like retro sound effects. And it's just like the most well-designed page. I love that one. <laughs> Thank you. Me too. I'm like, I'm so obsessed with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, did you guys uh, build the website uh, yourselves or were, were you working with an agency or anything for some of the design, things like that? We worked with an agency um, for design and development. Cool. Awesome. Do you, can you share which agency or do you want to share which agency that was? Yeah. Well, we worked with the couch, but they're not around anymore as an agency. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's a sad day, but, uh, <laughs> but they, awesome. they did a great job. <laughs> they did. They're, they're great people. So that kind of wraps up the, the tech stack app part of the conversation. So I like to kind of close things off with some more fun, personal questions. Um, first, what are you streaming? Um, what like, uh, TV shows, uh, movies, podcasts, whatever kind of things you watch or listen to. And then the flip side of that is, is there anything you're reading, books, blogs, magazines? Um, what kind of content do you consume? Hmm. Okay, so streaming shows. I actually haven't watched like a new show for so long, but I've been re-watching The Office and I watched mm. Parks and Rec for the first time pretty recently. Nice. <laughs> so that's what I'm streaming. I feel like it's just such feel good TV that like after, after one, a hard day of work. And after two, like this pandemic, it's just like all I want to watch at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, yeah. I get so it. A ton of TikTok. Um, hate to admit it, but I am like so addicted. Um, and I'm like, I, I like TikTok has substituted a lot of my like movie watching or TV watching um, and also oh, really? book reading. Cause I'll be like, Oh yeah, I'll totally read this book. And I'm like, Oh, but like maybe I should watch TikTok. And then I'm like two hours later, I should just go to sleep now. <laughs> so TikTok yeah. is a big one on what I'm streaming for sure. Um, what I'm reading. Um, I read the Obama book recently, which is so good. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Really interesting. Um, Jay Shetty think like a monk. Um, is another really good one. Um, I read, what did I read most recently? I'm blanking now. Um, some other books that I like love a lot is more than enough by Elaine Welchroth. Um, okay. I think that one's really good. Shoe dog by Phil Knight is an amazing one. Atomic habit. Great. Um, lots of, I'd say books that are either like business related or, um, like kind of somebody's own like memoir style book um, about okay. her life is, is generally what I tend to read. Nice. My my reading is a mix. Usually I have like a stack of like the business books and I'm like, I have to read that. I'm going to read it. And that stack just keeps growing. And then I'll just keep picking up more fiction <laughs> I and then like, forget to get to the business pile. <laughs> I know. I don't know. I was talking to like a bunch of folks and I was like, reading feels so much harder these last six months than it like ever has before. And I think it's just like the exhaustion of like all things. Yeah pandemic related and then I think also like after like a hard day at work it's almost more stressful to like pick up a book and like make your brain work harder yeah yeah Um, so it's it's easier to just open up TikTok and just keep 
going scrolling to the next one. <laughs> yeah, which probably is like even worse for our brains, but um, true. More fun in the moment. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Bunny. It's been really great hearing about Bloom and, and the stack that you guys have put together and all how those all those different technologies are working together. It's been uh, a real treat. Thank you. Cool. Thanks so much, Tim. This was so fun. Awesome. And y'all, all uh, all of the apps and and the the books and the the shows, and I'll probably link to TikTok too. I'll add them all to the show notes so people can take a look if they're not already, not already fans. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll talk soon. That is episode two of season two of What's Your Ecom Stack. All the apps and everything Bunny and I talked about will be linked in the show notes. You can check them out for yourself. Wherever you're listening, please give us a subscribe and a review. If you're on Apple Podcasts, we really do appreciate it. And it helps us get the word out so even more folks can learn about the awesome e-commerce stacks that these really incredible brand builders have put together. That is a wrap. I'm your host, Tim Packover from Smile.io. And we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.